it's time to sit back, relax, and grab a drink of wine or coffee. No one's judging because we know you're exhausted. Welcome to the 4am mom club. Okay. Welcome to the 4am mom club. We brought Mary back because we can't get enough. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I, we want Mary to share a story, but I also want to point out too, I'm, I probably should have warned you, but I've been following you on Instagram and you're doing no sugar right now, correct? That is correct. Oh, I have been keto on and off and I am trying intermittent fasting right now. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting here sipping my, my like unflavored everything thinking, okay, I get to eat in an hour. Um, how's the my sugar eating window? My eating window is from 10 AM to 6 PM. Okay. It's the most glorious hours of my day. Yeah. Um, I am not on keto. I'm doing no sugar. I'm not necessarily on keto because there's two macros and micros and all the, all the, yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Too much. unless somebody is delivering that meal, it's not happening. Like you got somebody scientifically in a kitchen is going to put it together. God bless you. I will pay you the 20 bucks and just give me the stupid. <laughs> right. So what I'm doing is, is no sugar. I'm a type two diabetic. So one of the things with Courtney, when she was alive, it, I didn't take very good care of myself. I, I very much it's hard. Know. It's hard to not shovel in chocolate and potato yeah. chip when your kid is not breathing. So exactly. <laughs> Here's the thing. You see special needs moms, they're going to be one of two people. They're going to be in that gym doing the keto, protecting themselves because that's how they cope. Or they're going to be in the kitchen creating the most spectacular, you know, event, you know, creative things, or they're going to be creating in another way, right? We all kind of go to our coping mechanisms. I'm a baker. Let me tell you how sugar and no sugar works in the baking world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish oh, you all could sorry. see her nostrils flare it's right Kind now. of essential <laughs> to, yeah. You know, so uh, can I do coconut sugar and monk fruit? It's monk fruit. Do I want the fruit of a monk? No. I want sugar. So what it is, the interesting thing with this fast and what's it, it's revealed to me is I've been through therapy for whatever, all the therapy, right? I have an addiction to food. I know that. I've, I've have been an emotional eater my whole life. I went through serious therapy in my early 30s, you know, late 20s, early 30s to really kind of conquer this bulimic type lifestyle. I was I couldn't throw up. So I they my my counselor called me a dry bulimic. That's great. Dry <laughs> drunk. You know? I wouldn't throw up, but I do the eating like a bulimic, right? So yeah. that thing until you feel sick. And then I because tactically, I just tactical, uh, whatever, couldn't do it. So um, yeah, so I had to walk through that healing, right. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm through that. Like, I don't have that. I know what food is. I know that we um, eat to live, not live to eat, right. I understand that. But then the pandemic came. And everybody started making sourdough on Instagram, which is just rude and quite inconsiderate of those of us that don't have the patience to make sourdough and feel like eating our phone every time we look at it. So I had to mute a whole bunch of people and their sourdough because I couldn't take it anymore. And I spent the last year baking banana bread, zucchini bread, all the things. My, my, my guys, Jerry's a pie guy. Jonathan is a muffin guy, right? I'm a chocolate cake girl. So like, you know, all the things were happening because we were seeking comfort in a time of insanity. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that a lot when Courtney was alive. And so I've been a plus size woman most of my adult life. And, um, and then recently within the last four or five years, I was diagnosed as a type two diabetic. 
So at that point, I'm not on insulin, praise God, I've been able to control it through medication and through diet. And I've lost about 65 to 70 pounds in the last four years, very, very slowly and methodically until the sourdough pandemic came. And then (laughs) I have been slowly five, 10 pounds, right? The sourdough 19. Yeah, sourdough 19. (laughs) When I went to, you know, you go to for your physical and stuff. My blood sugar numbers were like, I was, I was under 6.0. 6.0 is usually when they start diagnosing you as a type two diabetic of your A1C number, right? Last year, I was like 5.7. I'm like, I'm booking. I'm like, yes, this is great. I show up three months ago, 7.8. I'm like, what? <laughs> Damn so I sourdough. Had to, stupid sourdough. So I had, to, <laughs> had to take a good hard look. And so what it's, you know, short story longer, what it's revealed to me is that I still, I have some work to do. There's some wounding that exists in that and how I deal with, um, when I can't control my environment. So right now are you, you're doing intermittent fasting. You have your window. Yeah. You get to the point, like I'm five days into this. It, it, it's new. I've done keto and paleo for probably the last decade on and off. But then my kid hits the fan and I literally shovel five pound bags of candy corn. Even like in the middle of the summer, I have reserve candy corn waiting for my kid to hit the fan. Dark and I cho- just start. Dark, dark chocolate. Yeah. At least those have like beautiful messages. I mean, there's a purpose. (laughs) There's no message with candy corn. After one bag, you've read them all. (laughs) I don't need to know I'm beautiful. I know I'm beautiful. Give me the chocolate. Let me be more beautiful. Let me sparkle and be shiny and chocolatey. (laughs) So when the window closes last night, I was like, I didn't get my peanut butter cup. Like... (laughs) I have my little sugar-free peanut butter cups that I'm allowing myself one a day, but the damn window closed last night. And so now I'm sitting here in my lovely interview with you going, I get to eat a peanut butter cup in 42 (laughs) minutes. And now we're down to 38. (laughs) Keep talking, Mary. We'll be down to 22. Exactly. (laughs) No, absolutely. I think about it. And and that's what I want from all of this is the freedom of that. Mm -hmm. uh, When did food become my enemy? Right. You know, it used, when I was growing up, it was always love. My mom baked and I was very thin growing up and I was very active growing up. And somewhere along the line in my mind, there was a trigger, something happened and food became total comfort and total love. And I tend to be a woman of extremes, just given my personality type. And so I went to total love and then I went to total hate. And now I'm like, all right, people, you need to figure this out. Everybody needs to come together at the negotiating table and we need to figure out how to move forward. And so I'm in the process of that, but it's a lot more, I was surprised. It's a lot more emotional than, than I've dealt with recently. And so, yeah, I got to do all that stuff, but no, uh, the pandemic did bring some beautiful things to us. And um, primarily they brought me a new daughter to love. Which, this is the coolest story ever. Yes. Other than the sourdough problems, the pandemic did like, okay, tell us your story. So, okay. So my son, Jonathan, how do I describe Jonathan? First does of all, John, does Jonathan mind that you share the story no. or is he, okay. I asked his permission a long time ago. Listen, on the day his sister passed away, this is how much Jonathan, Jonathan is me, but in the male form, which, and with his father's intellect, which is just, I'm so sorry, Jonathan, that's God's problem. Not mine. I didn't do it. <laughs> Um, so Courtney has passed away 
things happen, right? Because we weren't in official hospice, we created it ourselves. So we had a physician friend who was leading the charge. So he comes and then we have to call the police because, you know, you have to do these things, right? So all of this is happening. Everybody has left. Courtney is in her bed. I am with her. We're waiting for the funeral home to come and claim her body. So you're thinking, of course, we're all, we're sobbing, we're weeping. No, we weren't. Jonathan comes into her room, sits down, picks up Courtney's hand. Courtney has passed, just holds her hand very gently. And he just looks at me and he goes, mom, I just want you to know, I am not your next project. (laughs) And I'm just looking at him and I'm like, thank you. Point taken, son. (laughs) Point taken. He goes, I, I, he goes, I know that that what, what we're getting ready to go through here, we've talked about it for a couple of years now and, and nobody really knows what it's going to look like or feel like. And all of this, he goes, I just want you to know I'm a grown man. I'm okay. Like I'm going to be okay. And I just looked at him. I'm like, get out of here. Like, I don't want to see your face. You know, and <laughs> like he kisses his sister's hand. I'm trying not to cry. And he walks out and Jerry comes in and he goes, he really is my son. And I said, Oh Yes. That is all you can thank you. Thank you so much for compartmentalization. But he wanted me to know he he was going to be okay. And he didn't know how to do it. So he just did it the Jonathan way. So that's a perfect example of Jonathan. Jonathan is extremely empathetic, has a very, very deep, deep heart, especially for those set aside. If you were to look at his group of friends, it is like the island of misfit toys. And I love them all deeply. They are beautiful human beings, funny as heck, and they love one another like brothers and sisters in Christ. They just, they support one another and are walking through hard things for young adults, right? So Jonathan had a dating site, like he was doing Catholic match. And the last four four women that he dated, because Jonathan's rather awkward socially, he's not great on picking up on the cues. Um, like I said, brilliant can totally tell you how to take apart a computer and how to, you know, wire a house, but um, doesn't care that Beyonce has a new number one hit because he doesn't know who Beyonce is, nor does he care. He doesn't really care about, you know, I mean, he cares about politics and things of that nature that affected his sister and how she was able to live and all of that, but not really, you know, so small talk is not his gift. So he dated a couple of women, was ghosted by one, One told him that he was fat and needed to take care of himself better. Actually said that to his face. She sounds like a lovely human being. (laughs) She said, Jonathan looked at her and he's like, point taken. Thanks so much for coming to dinner. Hope you have a good night. (laughs) Turned around, walked away. Now, that was the only time. Was that before or after dinner? That was after dinner. and, And this was after like the sixth or seventh date. And he was his ride to dinner. Like he picked her up and took her to dinner. So he left her there. A good move. I was going to say, like, I was kind of proud of that, but also mortified. I'm like, you should have just paid for the Uber. And he goes, mom, I just kind of felt like I had been a gentleman and I was done. I'm like, okay, point. You got it. And then, um, you know, they just weren't working out. Like they'd get to the three month point and it would just kind of fall apart. Also, how do you date during a pandemic? Well, this was before the pandemic. Okay. It it gets fun. So this is before the pandemic. So this was like in the last two years. So I started praying to St. Monica because all I saw was some Irish um, rom-com 
playing out that at the age of 45 with his elderly parents, this 30 year old, you know, whippersnapper comes along and he finally gets married. And I thought, we're all going to kill each other if that's happening. <laughs> he's student loans, so he's still living at home. Now he works two jobs. I mean, he, he's a good hard worker and he's paying off his loans. He's a very responsible young man. And so he didn't want to date until he felt like he was, he could support a family, right? As he was coming out of college and stuff. So he waited and then he started dating and it went so great. Well, he was going to shut down his Catholic match account. And one day he goes in to shut it down. He's made this decision. He's like, I'm done. If God wants to bring me a woman, she's just going to have to walk in front of me at church. And I'm going to be like, oh, that's the one. And because angels will be around her and it'll be like the big pointing sign of the neon, you know, <laughs> and I'll know to go talk to her after mass. It'll be great. And I'm like, that's a plan. Okay. <laughs> if that's what God's telling you your plan is good. That's one way of, of taking care of it. So he goes in and he's like, mom, I'm going to shut it down today. I'm like, okay, cool. He goes in, there's one message and he comes out of this room and he's like, Oh crap, there's a message. What do I do? And I'm like, there's a message where mom, I'm shutting down my Catholic match. Should I answer the message? Like, I don't think I should answer the message. It's not, it's not gone well for me. And I literally, I looked at him, I'm like, why don't you just think about it? You know, you know, it's there. You know, he was going out somewhere to do something, whatever. So he left. He comes back two hours later. And he's got the smile on his face. And I'm like, oh, you know, where'd, where'd you go? Did you hang out with your friends? Whatever. I don't know. He goes, no, mom, I went to talk to Courtney. Well, what Jonathan does when he um, is struggling with something or he's trying to figure it out is he goes to Courtney's grave. Because that's where his sister's body is. And that's the closest he can be to her other than in mass at communion, because that's when heaven and earth come together. Um, and so he goes, people probably thought I was a little odd today, mom. And I'm like, just today, son, but okay. <laughs> um, he goes, he was pacing back and forth and talking to her at, at the graveyard because that's normal. And, and we don't do normal. And so I don't even know what that is. But anyway, so he's talking back and forth and he's giving her this list of why he shouldn't answer that message. Like, I don't even want to know her name. You can't tell me this is a, this is a stupid idea. I shouldn't do this. I asked you to help me out because the number one thing about Jonathan was he never wanted to choose someone that wouldn't understand or love his sister. And now that she was gone, he didn't have the Courtney radar anymore. And that terrified him. He always, and still to this day, wants his sister to be proud of him and the person in the life that he's living. It's very important to him because they loved each other in such a unique way. And that love continues. So he comes home and he's telling me all this stuff. And I told Courtney, this is the, this is the pros. This is the cons, you know, and I'm just staring at him. And he's like, he looks at me. He's like, why do you have that face, mom? I'm like, I'm dying to know what your sister said. Like, was it a direct, like, did she say something to you? Did you hear her voice? And he goes, well, I just knew I could see her face. And when she would, he would walk by her in her wheelchair, she had AFOs on her feet. So, you know, the, the plastic, those things are like weapons. Oh, <laughs> when we get off of this, I have a story for you. <laughs> They're like weapons. And what Courtney would always cross her leg, like a lady, like she'd bring her, her right leg up and cross it. Just so when Jonathan walked by her, she would <laughs> knife kick that leg out and hit him right in that spot. And he would double over and want to yell at her. And she would just go, vertically <laughs> <laughs> blind, knew exactly where to get him. And he, he goes, I just saw her face right after a kick. And I thought, all right, I'll answer the message. 
Again, short story longer. So he goes in, answers the message, and it's this lovely young woman named Jessica. And they texted for a week and and very quickly he's like, let's meet for coffee. Well, we're in a pandemic. There was there a coffee place open that they could meet because she's local here to him. And so they met at this coffee place, fully masked. And Jonathan would not remove his mask. He would just lift it up to sit at the coffee and pull it down. He was trying, he's a rule follower. So he goes on this date. He comes back six hours later. I told Jerry, my husband, I said, it's a lot of coffee. Best date of his life. Or he is drinking now with his buddy. (laughs) It was horrible. Like what is going on? He walks in. Now my, my son is six foot two. 280, middle linebacker, pro football team, right? Big guy. Walks in and it was like he was walking on his tiptoes. And he walks in with this big, huge smile and he goes, Mom. I said, So what's her name? Her name's Jessica. I'm like, Oh, Jonathan and Jessica, that's cute. J and J. And he's like, Whatever. And he goes, I said, So what? So tell me about her. And he goes, Her eyes are like a stormy sea. I just couldn't stop looking at her. And I'm like, in one hand, I'm going, I'm going to throw up now. On the other hand, <laughs> that is the most beautiful thing that has ever come out of your mouth. Oh my gosh. Who are you? Who are you? How are you, my kid? And then he just went on talking about her and that, you know, they had coffee and then he took her to lunch and, and then they went for a walk and they ended up at Courtney's grave. First date. By the third date. Now, mind you, my son is 30 years old at this point. By the third date, he's never kissed a woman. Never had, didn't work out. Never got to that point, right? They go to adoration and confession at a local parish on a Friday night. They come outside and they sit down by the statue of Our Lady of the Rosary. And the deacon from the parish who was doing the adoration drives by and he stops. And he said, you know, my wife and I sat at that statue one time after adoration And we have four kids. (laughs) It's a really good place to sit. And then he drives off. So they have this very beautiful, open conversation about the wounds in their life. Um, Jessica has a brother who's had some medical issues in her life. So she's familiar with um, caring for someone that has extra needs. They shared about their past. They sh- I mean, it was like one of those conversations, you know, that we all have. Like, this is everything you need to know about me. Now you can run away because I'm too much for you. And Jonathan didn't run away. And so they shared their first kiss that night. And afterwards, she told him, she goes, you know, I know you're a gift and a miracle. And he was, you know, all blushy and gooey and said, why would you say that? You know, <laughs> and she said, when I read your profile, I saw the picture of you and your sister. And I read about your story. And she said, before I ever texted you that first time, I said a prayer to Courtney and I asked her if this was the one, if he was the one that she would help me and she would intercede for us. And then Jonathan told her what he did before he ever answered her. And so on December 24th of this year, on the rainiest day in December, he got down on one knee in front of Courtney's grave and asked Jessica to be his wife. And now they're set to be married on October 23rd, which is the 55th anniversary of my parents' convalidation of their wedding. Because they were married during the Vietnam Wars. They had a Mm -hmm. civil wedding and then a Catholic wedding. 
And, uh, and he used my mom. My dad's been home in heaven now for 20 years. And he used my mom's engagement ring. My mother gave him his, her ring and said, for 36 years, this was on my hand. And your, your, you know, your grandfather and I faced a lot of adversity. My father was a functioning alcoholic for the first 19 years of my life. And, um, and she said, I know that you will understand the power of this ring. And when you give it to her, you give it with your whole life. And so it's really awkward when you walk into the house and they're making out on the couch. That's awkward. <laughs> but other than that. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful though. <laughs> other than that. Beautiful. Than that, you know, so you look at, we look as Christians, you know, that heaven is heaven and earth is earth. And yet they are so connected. Because we have these intercessors in heaven, just like we ask people in our neighborhood, would you pray for me today? We're asking them because they've already gone to, you know, they're already sitting with the Lord. And Mm -hmm. of course, they're with us. And it just, I mean, how cool is it that like Courtney still, she's not here on earth, but she is still a huge role in your family. And she will never not be. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to the day we get to introduce her to our grandchildren, if God so blesses us. Oh, that's I look amazing. To that day. I think um, that's a, like a really amazing representation, like you said, of instead of us thinking of heaven and earth so linear, we think it more of like horizontally, like we are together. I mean, that yeah. that story is like mind blowing and couldn't be a better representation of that. But it's so funny true. it took a pandemic, people. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that in the 20-year prayer plan. <laughs> it took a pandemic to bring her. So everybody's like, wow, you know, it's been so hard. And I'm like, I shut up. I'm like, Mm-mm. pandemic brought us a unicorn. We're good. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they talk to each other in Latin and laugh. She's a PhD candidate. She's smarter than he is. Oh, I'm like, yes, sister, you go. But she knits and she bakes and she... I was going to say, who are you? She's a unicorn. (laughs) She's got... (laughs) She was made for him and he was made for her in such specific ways that you cannot but be in awe of how God works. Mm -hmm. You just can't deny it. You can't deny him. It's right there. So beautiful. That is beautiful. And it gives hope to all those people that are doing online dating. Amen. (laughs) In the middle of a pandemic. She'll figure it out for you. Forget forget match. Forget Catholic match. Just go see Courtney. We'll hang out with Courtney at St. Mary of Sorrows. There's going to be a line at the... (laughs) There must be a funeral going on. No, no, it's not a funeral. It's just people waiting to see Courtney. They need to go talk to Court and figure out... Because we have have her picture on her tombstone. So you're Mm -hmm. like looking at her face. And oh she's yeah, at you, and you're just like, okay, hey, how you doing, sister? <laughs> All right, can we figure well, it out? 